When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast, the podcast about the beautiful club within the beautiful game. This episode is a small amount of a review of our latest game, which unfortunately didn't go too well. Newcastle United 4, Brighton and Hove Albion 1. We'll be talking about that briefly in part one. And part two is the main focus of this episode, in fact, especially given that result we just talked about, which is our latest non-league special, where we've invited back on um, football commentator and Worthing fan and Rebel Yell podcaster, Peter Vale. He'll be joining us in part two. And there'll be a quick summary as well of other football news and matters. So starting with the Newcastle game, we're not going to dwell on it for too long, other than to say it finished 4-1. It was all about the first half, really. Um, There were some similar patterns, actually, to the Everton game um, in as much as we weren't at our best. We fielded a weakened team. And they came out firing from the beginning. They were pressing very high, very effectively, lots of energy for this late stage of the season, the sort of energy I wish we could have, but we can't because we had all these games. Um, And in the end, when we seem to have weathered the early storms, we finally caved in on the 22nd minute from a very well-taken corner, a dangerous ball in. Um, Dennis Undav, who was starting the match, um, was in a defensive position. He didn't quite jump quite early enough. The ball glanced off the top of his head with Moises Caicedo just behind. Maybe better placed to head it, but it was a hard one to call. It came off Dennis's head and it went into the corner. 1-0, 22nd minute. What then happened was, we looked like we'd weathered the storm. We were going to get to half-time at 1-0. That gave us some hope because we knew we were going to make some changes at half-time and uh, would be in with a decent chance of turning the game around. But what happened was four minutes into stoppage time, just when we thought we'd achieved that goal, Dan Byrne pops up and scores with a, well, he's unmarked at the far post from a set piece. Again, our Achilles heel twice in this game already. Um, He was left unmarked. I think Van Hecker, who was starting the game as well, uh, given his big chance, uh, didn't quite get tight enough to Dan Byrne on the far post. 
And the big man, who just didn't seem to be that good with his head, really, considering how tall a guy is, people assume he'll be good with his head. He hadn't been ready for the Albion, but he was here, headed it right in. And did he not celebrate against his old club? Did he heck? He went absolutely mad with an extended celebration. Quite honestly, I don't have too much of a problem if he wants to celebrate the goal rather than do this muted, hands down, calm down kind of gesture or or just a completely non emotionless type of celebration. I don't see that's necessary. I'm quite happy for people to celebrate, but he did it to such an elaborate degree. I think that pissed a lot of fans off and pissed me off as well. And I know friends of the show and regular contributors felt the same. Anyway, he scored on 45 plus four and that was it, 2-0 at half time. Um, and so we did make the changes. What we had done with this team lineup was, as, as you'd imagine, trying to manage uh, the fatigue levels. We'd started in this match with a, a starting eleven of stealing goal. Caicedo playing in the right back role again, at least ostensibly. Van Hecker, which we mentioned, uh, getting a, a rare run out, and Dunk in centre back roles. Estabinian still playing again on the left. He's, he's the Duracell bunny, isn't he? He never stops. So that left us with Gilmore and Grosh able to play the midfield pairing. Undav further forward behind Welbeck. Mittimer on the left, Buenonote back in the team on the right. And again, Buenonote couldn't really get into the match much. Um, Undav, I think, was struggling a little bit. Welbeck was struggling a bit. None of the players were playing very well. We seemed off our game. We seemed mentally lacking in sharpness. We were making sloppy mistakes. We were passing out from the back as we normally do. But it seemed to be extra hairy the way we were trying to deal with that. It wasn't going well at all. Um, they were pressing really hard. We weren't coping with it at all. We played some long balls as an outlet, but overall it wasn't really working at all well. And so we, I think, thoroughly deserved to be two goals down at half time. Um, so that was a frustration. Um, and changes were going to need to be made. Um, as it happened, the half time itself didn't present us with many changes at all. In fact, what happened was we started the second half. Um, with the same side. Um, what we did do, we brought on McAllister, who for a minute, it looked like was going to come on at half-time. McAllister came on for Gilmore, and Enciso came on for Wenonote, and Ferguson came on for Welbeck, all in the 56th minute. All the good calls, I think, 100% needed. And we did that because we'd managed to score a goal. Um, early in the second half, we did start the second half quite well, and Dennis Undav... Uh, scored his fourth Premier League goal for us in the 51st minute. Long ball through, um, an excellent ball from Gilmore. Uh, superb. Best bit we did all night. A long through ball down, straight down the middle. Undav with his man. He, he had the better of him for pace. Still on his tail. He got his shot off, beat the goalkeeper, buried it, and that was 2-1. And I think it's the basis of us scoring that goal early in the second half, which made us think, OK, this game is still there for the take and we could still get something out of it. We could get a draw at least. We'll make those changes. So we made those three changes in the 56th minute and we did play a lot better in the second half. Again, similar to that Everton match, caught out and easily falling behind, um, a heavy deficit at half-time. In the case of Everton, we made four substitutions at half-time. This was three in the 56th minute, so a bit of a difference, but essentially the same thing, trying to turn things around, putting on some of the big guns, um, but we couldn't really find that second goal. And in the end, you had that air of inevitability. You imagined that somewhere along the line, a third goal was going to come for Newcastle. And I predicted it to finish 3-1 at that point. And what happened was, unfortunately, 
uh, a bit of a breakaway and uh, right near the end. And it was Callum Wilson, 89th minute, who uh, received the ball from Almiron and he put it past Steele. Steele was left exposed, couldn't do much about it. And that was 3-1. And to add salt to the wounds, just two minutes later, Bruno Giramesh, um in the 91st minute uh, finished things off. So a disappointing result, obviously, a disappointing scoreline as well, which is quite unnerving. And um, it leaves us now still on 58 points. We are seven behind Liverpool uh, with three games to play. I don't see us going anywhere upwards at this stage. I am still confident of us staying where we are in sixth place because we have the advantage of an extra game is that an advantage or is it a disadvantage? In fact, I think we might be writing the Man City game off and I dread to think what the score might be if we do. But what we were clearly doing with Newcastle was resting some of our key players for the more realistically doable three-point uh, attempt uh, in the Southampton game on Sunday. So we're going to be at full strength on Sunday, hopefully, subject to any annoying injuries having occurred. And that's where we hope to get the other three points that we will probably need. What's going to happen is... Um, you know, we've, we've run 58. If we beat Saints, we go on to 61, meaning that Spurs and Villa can only get um, two points ahead of us. And that's if they win both their last two games. Um, if both of them fail to do so, um, then we can finish in the Europa League positions. If one of them uh, does win both of their two games and we don't get the necessary points, then we could still miss out on Europa. But I think... Things are looking good. I th- I'm still happy with that. We needed, we knew we needed to win one of the Arsenal, Newcastle and Man City games. That was going to be the telling difference. And the beauty is we got that done early. We got that done with that Arsenal result. In the same way as I was so delighted that we beat Man United, because I knew we were going to have to get a result like that if we weren't going to beat Everton. And I was worried about Everton. So I was delighted we got the United game. Could take the Everton game in our stride. Then I'm delighted we got the Arsenal win we can take the Newcastle result in our stride as long as we get the job done against Southampton on Sunday. Um, one or two bits of disappointing. I had a few friends went up to the game. Um, friends of the show were there. And uh, one of them, Robin, said he was uh, disgusted, uh, in fact, with Newcastle United supporters. In the section up in the gods, same end as the Brighton away fans, there were some Newcastle fans right next to the divide between home and away fans who were singing anti-Semitic songs, according to him. Um, this was reported. In fact, the stewards were on top of it straight away anyway. Um, so hopefully the necessary repercussions of that uh, will be achieved. And that's got to be stopped. Disgusting behaviour. Um, he said that the the actions of and, and just the general behaviour and attitude of fans in and around the ground was not good at all. Uh, doesn't bode well. And it doesn't wash well with me. Speaking of washing, the Sports Washing Club, Newcastle, their fans are still embracing it all, aren't they? And it's irritating that they won the game. However, it's, uh, it, 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 is, it is one of those things. Um, as my own experience, the same with what Robin said and others have said, the fans in the pubs, people he was chatting to were great, fantastic, knowledgeable, enthusiastic about Brighton, uh, talking about how impressed they've been and that sort of thing. Uh, it's just a, a disappointment that there's a another sizable number of their fan base who let themselves and their club down. Um, and that really, along with Dan Burns over celebrating of the second goal, puts a bit of a sour taste on the game, which I wasn't too worried about this result as long as we get that Southampton win. But 
I kind of really wish we'd got something out of the game now, now that I've seen the behaviour or heard about the behaviour of some of their fans. So very disappointing from them. They should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, and one final word on Newcastle. Peter, my old mate, and of course, co-presenter here on the Brighton Rock podcast, was up at the game. Um, he sent me in a message with his thoughts on the game as well. And this is what he had to say. First of all, he said, the away end is a disgrace. He has been before, but he uh, he's just reiterating what he already knows there. He said, the away end is a disgrace. Absolutely no good reason for them not to give us some of the lower area. It's just so they can charge more for the lower tier to home fans and the away fans can't impact the atmosphere. Absolute joke that they got away with it. In terms of the match, he says, I thought we were poor first half, but not surprising given how many players were missing. Completely understand the logic of not starting with NCSO, McAllister and Ferguson, as Southampton on paper is much more winnable. Thought we played well second half without being near our best. Newcastle played well, but backed off second half. And if their final ball had been right in the first half, they could have been out of sight. Two late goals were massively against the run of play as they played three players forward. So that's the final word on Newcastle. And in other news, just quickly to sum up, um, Sheffield Wednesday pulled off the most remarkable comeback. Um, Controversial circumstances a bit. They lost the first leg of their playoff 4-0 at Peterborough. In the return game, they got a couple of early goals. They were 2-0 up on the night after 24 minutes. Uh, Then it was quite a long while before they got another goal, but they eventually got a third one. Then it looked like it was petering out, and Peterborough's fans were starting to celebrate and going through the uh, the usual motions at the end of the game when you think you've, you've got the result you need. And yet, they scored really, really late with virtually the last kick to take it into extra time. They they scored a fourth goal as well, four all on aggregate. Controversial because there was time added on and there needed to be more time added on to the time added on, but it was controversial as to whether the amount that was added on was too much or not. But it was added on. They did score that goal. It went to four all. It went to extra time. Peterborough retook the lead, but Sheffield Wednesday equalised again, 5 all, and eventually they went on to win it on penalties. So Sheffield Wednesday will play, uh, well, the winners of tonight's game, as I'm speaking, Barnsley or um, uh, or Bolton in the final of the League One playoffs. Um, you, begrudging, begrudgingly, you've got to congratulate Sheffield Wednesday for a stunning comeback, really impressive work. Um, and I'm just wondering, speaking of unsavoury elements, if the fan who racially abused Darren Moore, the Sheffield Wednesday manager, after that 4-0 defeat in the first leg, uh, is regretting it because he's going to miss out on going to Wembley. He's going to miss out on really being able to enjoy the success Sheffield Wednesday may be able to achieve now um, because he's got a ban. Uh, I think it's a a permanent ban. It's certainly a long-term and instantaneous one. What an idiot. What a moron. What a dis... What a contemptible person. And I'm really pleased for Darren Moore, actually, because he seems a nice guy, seems a nice man, a good manager. And uh, they've had a good season. And to be honest with you, much as we laugh about Massive, we don't like them. We don't like seeing them do well. When you've had 96 points and not only missed out on the title, but missed out on second place with 96 points, that's mental. They do deserve to go up on that basis. And I think, uh, you know, with Peterborough only just squeezing into the playoffs altogether, 
um, there might be some degree of justice considered from that result there. But interesting times. Also, another bit of big news. Ivan Tony, who's been had the betting charges hanging over him, 232 betting charges. And then I think another 20 were added or 30 actually were added later on. Um, they had that hanging over him for several months. Finally, they've reached the decision and they've banned him for eight months until January of next year. Um, I don't have an issue with that. It's quite strong. I think maybe it needs to be strong to deter others from doing so. My one issue I do have with it, though, is that it is with immediate effect. During a season in which he's been allowed to play week after week after week, affecting games such as our game at the Amex, where we're unable to beat Brentford, partly due to his excellent work on the field. And yet he's now going to be missing for the last two games of the season. And guess who they're playing next? Spurs, a team that we need or would like Brentford to take points off to make our job a bit easier. We're already, in my opinion, five points below where we should be. There's other contentious points we could have had as well. But the Palace game, and in particular the Spurs game, we should have five more points. We should be on fifty on 63 points, still chasing the Champions League, and with the Europa League basically done and dusted. But now we're, we're five points shy of where we should be, in my opinion, three of which against Spurs, and it's Spurs themselves that might benefit again, this time from Ivan Tony having that ban imposed now. Why does it have to be now? There's only two bloody games of the season left, regular fixtures, and two games for Brentford. So why didn't they just start that after the summer? Because the eight-month ban, if it's eight months is the thing they wanted to do, a lot of that is the summertime. And then the FA will now seek to make that a worldwide ban, so he can't be loaned to America or something else to keep him fit. But either way around, why don't they just say, right, this season's when it's done and dusted, You'll start the ban from next season and then have the ban for whatever duration they actually wanted it to be for. It seems wrong the way they've done it. Anyway, that's enough about that. So now on to the main business of the day. After a short break, we are going to be joined by Peter Vale, a Worthing fan, Worthing commentator, podcaster on the Rebel Yell podcast and on the Premier Non-League podcast as well. He'll be joining us to talk us through his experiences uh, as a fan and as a commentator enjoying Worthing over the last season as they were in the National League South for the first time in their history. That's coming up in just a second. And so to the most important part of this podcast, it's the long overdue latest episode of our non-league specials. Uh, and it brings into light again Worthing FC, my hometown club, who I've gone along and seen a few times, all of them away from home, apart from the playoff quarterfinal slash eliminator, which took place quite recently, was my first time at Woodside Road this season. I did, however, bump into my old friend Peter Vale, he of Rebel Yell Podcasts and official commentary duties for the club, uh, who I bump into most times I go along to Worthing, in fact. And he's joined me today for uh, this latest episode on the pod. Um, Hello, Peter. Welcome back. Uh, How are you, sir? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, did like did. We keep bumping into into each other in all these peculiar places lately. <laughs> yeah, Oxford City and um, God knows where else. Um, Hemel Hempstead, yep. um, Albans. Um, I've been to a few games this season, actually. I've, I can't remember where else I've been. Um, ticking a few grounds off and um, seeing a few games. Had a good record, actually, uh, until that Oxford... Oh, no, actually, Ebbsfleet. Ebbsfleet was the 
was the only other time I'd seen Worthing lose, which of course I think it was seven three or something mental in the end, wasn't it? Something like that. Seven two. Yeah. Seven, two. Yeah. I'd approached you to do co coms with me, hadn't I? And yes. The, and, and the lovely lady wouldn't let you. <laughs> the lovely lady, yes, yeah. Also known as as a, an arch jobsworth. <laughs> I think there was loads of room, wasn't there? And she yeah. wouldn't let me go yeah. into the area because yeah. I wasn't um officially ratified or whatever. <laughs> that was a bit of a shame and le- left you all on your lonesome for the evening. And, I know, I know. It was so, it was so annoying because, and I said, I said to her, when I got there, I said, I've got a co-commentator come in. Will it be okay? Yeah. Yep, yep. Not a problem. Not a problem. All the, all the rest of it. And then you turn up and I go, here he is. Oh, maybe. oh no, no, kind of a, it's like, I've got 20 spare seats around me <laughs> and I've got a desk with a, you know, another desk next to me where he could comfortably sit with no hassle. <laughs> and yeah, she wouldn't have it, would she? Absolutely. I'm, I'm I, I wouldn't have messed with her, though. <laughs> no, that's no true. Yeah, she did look like she could handle herself and us. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, that was a bit of a disappointment. But apart from that, I mean, this season has been fantastic. Um, I mean, by the way, can I just say it's a bit odd seeing you without your own Worthing FC hat on. You've always got uh, got support. He's got his guy next to him, hasn't he? <laughs> Don't feel you have to put it on. It just feels no, no, like no, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but no, what what a season it's been, Peter. I mean, we, last time we spoke, I can't remember when it was for the podcast exactly, but um, I think it might have been uh, last season, actually. I can't remember now. Um, but we we're looking forward with anticipation to the first time up at this level, National League South and all the new grounds to go to and seeing how this team that's been shaping for this promotion for three years, finally got the chance, you know, to, to see it over the line. No thanks to COVID. And... Adam kept the team going, Adam Hinshelwood kept them motivated, kept them in the right zone, kept them focused, and they got the job done. Here they were at the new level, and we all knew they'd probably give a good account of themselves, but we weren't really sure exactly where they'd finish, and they've only gone and finished fourth in the end. Goal difference behind third, which actually meant away an away game in that playoff that they lost uh, to Oxford City, possibly a telling difference, goal difference on that occasion. Um, but it's been fantastic, hasn't it? T- tell us about it from your point of view, having watched them home and away throughout the season. Uh, how's it been? Well, it's it's been one hell of a journey. Um, like you say, there was so much excitement at the end of the last season. And then you're looking at it and obviously going up a league, you, you, you're looking at the players and you're thinking, who you know, who can step up, who can... He, he can do it. But like um, Adam, Adam said, you know, he, he wanted, you know, the players that got us there, he wanted to keep keep faith with them, um, you know, to see if they could prove themselves. Obviously, there's a few transfers, as there always is every every season, but the, the main core of the, the team stuck. Um, and I think, the, you know, the players have attributed themselves really well. You know, like Oli Pierce, 24 goals this season. He did actually get in team of the season. Uh, Joel Cole Brennan right back. Harry wasn't in team of the season with uh, uh, five goals, 12 assists from, from right back. And he didn't even make team, team of the season, which was a bit of a, Absolutely. I'm a bit, I'm a, yeah, I'm a bit annoyed about that. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's well in the running for, you know, um, player of the season through the supporters and the supporters association. Oh, he's been brilliant, hasn't he? Uh, yeah. yeah a, along with, um, Harrison Mayo. So yeah, some some brilliant days, and we we interviewed Adam the other day for the Rebel Yell podcast, which is coming out in the next couple of weeks because we've still got some interviews to do, and the women's season hasn't finished yet, and we want to 
um, wait for that to finish, which is next Wednesday evening. But um, he, 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 he was saying the other day in his interview, because he's going on holiday next week, so we had to get him in, um, the, the ba- basically it was, you know, trying to keep the core of that team, make a few additions to it, um, and then take it from there. And his one aim when he took the job in 2015 was to make Worthing the top non-league club in Sussex. And that is something that we have now achieved. We are the top non-league club in Sussex. So so he's, he's absolutely delighted about that. Yeah, it's a superb achievement. And, and for anyone that doesn't know, the only other Sussex club in our, our level, so to speak, there is uh, Eastbourne Borough, who have been up there for a fair while and are a good solid side up there. But Worthing obviously finishing above them this season officially take that honour for the time being, at least, anyway. Um, yeah. And with Crawley not getting relegated, <laughs> that could have buggered it, couldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> if they'd gone down to the National Prem. But no, yeah, I mean, that is a wonderful achievement. As I said, year on year, he's kept them motivated when it's easy to have, to have lost the mojo there. And I know you guys have, um, you do a thing called the, is it the Premier Non-League podcast as well? Yeah. Um, yes. With people from other clubs, uh, including regular guy from I think it's South Shields isn't it and they were in the same position as Worthing in terms of this Covid interruption and it took them was it another year to get out of Northern Premier into now into the Northern uh, into the uh, National League uh, North now aren't they that's it it, they'd already gone pro as well so it was even more of a pressure for them Um, but for for Worthing yeah I mean getting reset again and again and then stepping things on and we've lost a couple of players there along the way haven't we as well um Callum left didn't he uh to join I can't remember who it was now haven't haven't yeah that was it yeah, yeah. um who finished below uh Worthing just to just to mention <laughs> yeah but, um, yeah they were, they were above us at the time so yes. that's yeah true yeah that clever were. piece of business there <laughs> not bad scupper them <laughs> Um, yeah, it's superb, isn't it? It's a, it's a fantastic achievement. The fans have been coming uh, still a lot regularly, haven't they? What's the average crowds been this season, Pete? Um, it, it's been around the 1800, 1800 to 2000 mark, I think. Wow. It's, it's been quite high. And obviously we had 2600 for the playoff game against Braintree. So, yeah. so now the, the, the aim is to get, get those people coming back week in, week out, because obviously, mm-hmm. you know, there's 100,000 people in Worthing over. So, you know, so for us to attain over 2,000 a week, I don't think is mission impossible with the catchment no. area we've got. I know we've got a lot of Brighton fans in Worthing, but I won't hold it against them. <laughs> exactly. And in, in fact, a lot of those are going to the games anyway. Um, mm. my, my friend uh, Phil Shelley, who does the old football shirts website, is a, an Albion fan, but he's, I think he sponsors one of the players at Worthing. I can't remember who it is. Um, him and his wife go to games regularly. And another friend of, uh, a friend of mine who's a friend of the show as well, uh, Andy Bass, who's a regular guest contributor, both with us and also on the Albion Raw. He goes to a fair few Worthing games as well. So, and that's just ones I know. Uh, so there's plenty more besides. But I also know people, guys I used to go to school with, I bump into at Woodside Road as well. Uh, there's a guy in the 11s who uh, I used to know quite well. Um, and I've bumped into him every time I've gone to Woodside. Uh, he's an Albion fan, but he doesn't really go to games anymore. He's fully immersed in the uh, in the Worthing stuff with a season ticket and so on and so forth. So even even those that sort of contingent of Brighton fans that live in Worthing, you know, there's there's room and there's a market for them to to come to Worthing games, especially if they're playing on different days. And if Brighton get into Europe, they'll be having a lot of Sunday matches 
So, yeah, nicely, doesn't it? Yeah, that, that would that would actually that would actually help our crowd, to be honest, because we generally get at least if Brighton are away away on a Saturday, we generally get at least one hundred and fifty to two hundred extra. Yeah. So it does, it does make a difference on the gate and obviously makes a difference in the coffers as well. And I think what people like about Worthing as well is the way that Adam Hinshelwood's got the team playing. We're not yeah. one of these, these non-league team that hoofs it up in the air. We try to play proper football play on the ground the way, the way it was meant to be, you know, the way it was meant to be played. And I think, I think people come along the once. Well, I was, I was the same. I, I, I went along for 2017, I think it was. Um, when I first started going, and I, I just loved the style of football. When I went a few times, I was like, "Yeah, I love this. It's really good watching proper football." You had the other teams coming along and just humping it up in the air, and then obviously our quality <laughs> and, the, and the way we we played outdone them in the end. Uh, from that hoof ball up front, which some teams still stick to for some reason. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it has changed a lot. I think there's a lot of non-league sides are now trying to get the ball down and play. But as you said, that's still, you know, it's not exactly uh, the overwhelming majority. So, um, yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because playing the right way, as you could call it, uh, does work, doesn't it? Um, you, you retain the possession and they have to work hard to get the ball back. And then when they do, they're just going to hoof it, give it straight back to you nine times out of ten. Um, yeah. As long as you've got one big centre-back, you can probably handle what they're trying to offer on the uh, on the counter. Can't you? So, uh, yeah, exactly. I think it works well. And it all ties together because I mean, for, for anyone that doesn't know, Woodside Road um, has got it's got a, is it 4G artificial pitch, isn't it? I presume yeah. And I think that helps that style of football. Uh, not only is it good for the all-weather scenario of, you know, not not getting games postponed and all the other hassles and being able to multi-use for other for other purposes as well for the rest of the year, which is more monetization potentially. All exactly. of that is great. But keeping a, a pitch in good condition by default, you know, artificial pitch, will we, um, with, with some care, I'm sure, but not too much, um, allows a consistency of a way of playing. And if you're going to play a a nice brand of football, you need that pitch to be in good condition, don't you? And um, thankfully, <laughs> that's what they've got. So it all fits together. And actually, some of the uh, opposing pitches are artificial as well. Quite mm. a few, I think, aren't they? Um, including, I think, Oxford Cities, in fact, that we uh, recently played. Yeah, that's, that, 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 is a, that is a tired old pitch, though, Oxford Cities. It really is yeah, a was, tired pitch. <laughs> I was going to say, because I went along to that, uh, to that playoff game, and I, 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 did, I did wonder, it looked a little bit odd. <laughs> Yeah. Something didn't quite look as good about it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they can upgrade that if they, uh, if they need to. But, no, it's, it is a good way of playing. And in terms of Worthing, they've been playing this style of football generally uh, since Adam's been there, hasn't he? And he's been yeah. there how long now? It's 2015. 2015, so it's a good old stint, isn't it? Eight years already yeah. Yeah. and no sign of stopping soon. So that's that's great. Um, and in terms of the season when you, you've come up, obviously, into the National South for the first time, uh, at the end of you know, at the end of the season, ready this summer, a few preparations needed to be made for the upgrade, and I'm sure further preps would have had to have been made if we'd uh, got promoted this season. But um, in terms of what was done in the summer and how things have changed um, from the summer onwards, uh, I mean, I, I went along to Woodside for that game against um, against Braintree the other week, and you've had that bigger outside drinking area now outside bar so for anyone that's familiar with woodside road if you enter through the main turnstiles on woodside road itself um you've got a sort of a bit of a space before you get to the to the main stand behind the goal uh in between which there was a bit of a void space that was kind of 
dead space, wasn't it, for a fair while, pretty much. That's where it's in. So you've got a what is an artificial grassed area where fans can queue up. It's really efficient. They've got three or four beers on. They've got a they've got an IPA. They've got a couple of lagers on, and I think they've got they've got Guinness or something as well, um, something like that. And there's there's a, there's a nice efficient queuing system. Yeah. Works very well. They get a lot of people having their drinks there, which is great because you want to get that income in. And as you said, we're worthy of getting decent crowds even more so this season. That that works out well. That's the one big difference I noticed because <laughs> that, that really helps rather than just having to go to a, a much smaller outside beer stand and mm. um, and obviously the clubhouse is still there. Um, but they've, I think they've introduced some other turnstiles and done something with other facilities, have they? Can you yeah, tell on the Woodside Road in the northeast corner, we have um, new turnstiles. So if um, we've got to do segregation or anything like that, we've prepared for that now. We've got the turnstiles in place. Uh, we've got another, I think it's 60 seats in the main stand, <laughs> which uh, there was a bit of shuffling across with the yeah. seats that are already there. So so people had, to, we decided people had too, too much space before and they were far too comfortable. <laughs> so we've squeezed another 60 seats in the main stand. So we've got just over the 500 seated now, um, which to was comply with the ground grading. Um, we've also, we've had to remove this stand on the St. Elmo's Road end of the ground, um, which is the west side uh, because yeah. it was steps but they were crumbling yeah. so anybody who stood there their their attendance at the game did not count towards the official attendance because it it wasn't worthy <laughs> only the people who stood at the front against the um, barriers would be counted so something some very weird, yeah. but so they've done that. And obviously, so obviously we've improved all of that. Um, and we had to do all of this stuff by the end of, it had to be done by the end of March. Um, otherwise, if we had qualified for the playoffs, obviously we know we did, but at that time we didn't know if we would or wouldn't. Um, it would have meant we wouldn't have been able to participate in the playoffs without those improvements. Oh, right. Really? Yeah, so so there was a bit of a timeline to get to get all of those things completed by. But the thing that annoyed me was in the uh, National League North, there's a team called Peterborough Sports who got promoted last season, yeah. who failed that grain grounding at the end of March, and usually it would result in a relegation or something. Hmm. But they got their they got their deadline extended by three months, and since then they've done the improvements and and got it passed. So they're putting on pressure on some clubs saying, you've got to get it done, you've got to get it done. And then other clubs, oh, oh we'll expend, extend you a little bit. So mm-hmm. it just seems a bit unfair t- to me that, you know, it just doesn't s- sit right with me that some clubs get away with it and others are told, no, you've got you've got to do it by that date. So, what you know, just what I've mentioned there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've got to get a dig in, basically. Yeah, you've got to get a dig in, haven't you? <laughs> Exactly. Have a moan, have a moan. <laughs> but if, you know, I, I only moan if there's a reason to moan. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, more. yeah, and the, the 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 rules are there and they're set there for every club. Every club knows what they've got to do at the beginning of the season. The ground grader comes around and says, you need to do this, you need to do that. And your deadline's the end of March. So if you don't hit it by the end of March, then I'm sorry, you haven't hit the deadline. You don't get it extended, then other clubs have to stick to it. Yeah. Just my opinion. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, it's fair enough, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and what else do they, do? do they have to do anything to floodlights or uh, anything like that? No, we changed those a couple of seasons back, didn't we, with the crowdfunder? We had oh, that, yeah, that's right. We had that uh, Futures Bright campaign, hmm. and we managed to get some money from the, um, uh, the, the, the fund the FA do. I can't remember what it's called now. But there is a fund there that you can go and dip, dip your hand in. Yeah. Occasionally, they let you. <laughs> so we got what we could basically to to do, um, and obviously the pitch was um, done because of the court issues and everything we had with the not being playable, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, mm-hmm. so that was that was done as well at the same time. Yeah. And the capacity at the moment, I think it, it takes. Is it something like I can't remember what it is? is it three thousand something? I can. Yeah, I think it's three thousand two hundred now. Yeah. Three thousand two hundred. What sort of uh, if if they did have further success and let's say they did get promoted to the national prem, um, what they would have to do, and in terms of going forward even further than that, if they were to go beyond that, um, what sort of scope for capacity do you think there is? I know we should probably uh, try and get the chairman on and ask him this. Really, but <laughs> I'm sure you know you know a fair bit about this yourself. I, I, I think we've got to. I think you have to have. Um, I think you've got to get it up to sort of four thousand. Yeah, we would need we would need more seating than five hundred and so five hundred and five that we've got. So we'd need we'd need a little bit more than that. So mm-hmm. we'd probably, but the, you know, obviously there has been plans in the pipeline. But again, it's money holding us back, and um, to get a stand opposite the main stand, the seated stand there, mm-hmm. um, which which would be ideal. But obviously, you know, it's it's funds, isn't it? So yeah, but you know, it's it's always it's always there you know to have a, a stand there but it's just how we're going to get the money to get to get that done um i'm sure if we if we got promoted we'd, we'd probably get a big sponsor come in then <laughs> yeah. and there we go yeah we you know and that, that would probably pay for it so. exactly yeah. yeah you can name the stand after whatever the sponsor is i suppose um have they got planning permission then so it's just it's set and ready but i'm to... not sure to be honest no. uh but like I say i you know i know they've, they've been speaking to it about it for a few seasons now so yeah. It is, it is there, but it's not there, if you know what I mean. So there's a, a bit of scope, should the ambitions on the pitch um, fulfil their potential, you know. Uh, it sounds like there's still some room that they can wiggle things around and improve things mm. a little bit more, which would be great. Could they ever, the other question I've got to ask, I'm sure this has been asked loads of times before, could they ever um, have a scenario where they could take over the bowls club? Because that would be the ideal scenario, wouldn't it? That would increase the footprint substantially, turn the pitch around, Lots more room because you need more turnstiles if you were really stepping on. Yeah, you? yeah. I don't think that. I think I, I know one of the members of the bowls club, and he he wouldn't be very happy. I can tell you <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's quite impeccable, pristine little uh, club, yeah. isn't it? Right adjacent to the back of the main stand there. So on the That's south it. side of the of the ground, and yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I, I can't imagine there, there's any plans for them to to vacate. They wouldn't want to, and they'd have to find somewhere else if they did. So, yeah, so it is a matter of making do on the footprint they've got. So, yeah, yeah, interesting. Just just to know about yeah. that. But it's it's been interesting this season going around sort of other clubs and the footprint that they've got, and yeah. you see some of them and they've, they've got so much space, and you're like, you're not really utilising it that well. Everything yeah, seems really cramped and close to the pitch where they've got, you know, a, d- a decent sized footprint to do things. And you've got these wide open spaces and you're like, well, why don't you do some out there? <laughs> but again, it's probably, it probably comes down to money, the, you know, the usual in non-league. Mm. 
So, because yeah. I don't think enough trickles down from the top of the game, to be honest, to, 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 um, to non-league, unfortunately. And I yeah. think that, that probably needs to change, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, there's definitely could still be a lot more, couldn't there? I, I, I agree with you. I've seen lots of, lots of quite spacious looking non-league grounds. And I've, I've, I've done a bit of ground hopping to a couple, two or three of the other Isbian grounds that I've not been to before. And, um, the same again. There's, there's quite a bit of space at some of those grounds too. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, in terms of the season, so, and they, they started well, carried on going, didn't they? Who have been the main standouts? I mean, you've mentioned Ollie Pierce, you've mentioned, um, Paul Brown, obviously at right back and the goalkeeper as well, Harrison. Um, I mean, tell us a bit more about the team for anyone that doesn't know and wants to find out a bit more. Talk us through, you know, who, who are the, who are the other key ingredients in this team? Um, right. We had, um, Jack Paxman on loan from Gillingham. Um, he came, he came in sort of about eight games before the end of the season. And he's made, um, he, he made a hell of a difference in our midfield, you know, um, comfortable on the ball, good passer, um, not afraid to, to take players on, et cetera. Um, so yeah, he, he got injured though. Um, so he didn't partake the brain tree game or the final and he was a big loss. Um, along with Harrison Mail as well. And, yeah, uh, well, just, yeah. yeah, he was missing for the uh, Oxford game, wasn't he? And yeah. probably made a difference, I would think. I, I I would say so. I don't. I never. I would never slay a you know a player who plays for Worthing mm. ever. Um, but the quality that we lost in Harrison Mail and you know replacing him with a county county level go- goalkeeper, I think it it, it 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 did sort of show on the day, unfortunately. Um, of course, but, it's, the, it's the unity and the the teamwork they've been working together all season. So if you've got no matter who, if even you've got a goalkeeper the same standard, it might be a little bit difficult to assimilate just on the spot in the yeah. one big game straight away without having any under yeah not having the understanding and the telepathy that might come into it a bit more. Exactly. Yeah, especially as we pass it out from the back as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does, it does make a difference that, you know, you can tell the players that you used to play with each other. And yeah, there's a few heart attacks that game against Oxford. <laughs> there was one in the first minute where, where he, he came out and I'm like, what's he doing? <laughs> and the Oxford player gets around him and he had an open goal to tap it into and he decided to take an extra touch and put it out for a goal kick for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, I was quite relieved about, but it, yeah, it didn't get any better though, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's one of those things. It's, you know, you can look back at it and, and, and say these things, but, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, but they've had a number of great results. As I said, I went to a few, I also went to Hampton and Richmond. I think it was quite, quite a few credible draws, creditable draws. It was there. I think Hemel was a draw. St. Albans is a brilliant winner, wasn't there, in that game? Um, I can't remember who scored it now. It's uh, is it the guy with dreads. I can't remember now. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. Was it? It wasn't a home game, was it? it was our, our away oh, game. game? Yeah, yeah. But it's, they straight, um, yeah, top corner sort of thing from about what seemed like thirty yards out. Absolute corker of a goal, quite near the end as well. And I, I thought that was a that was a good goal, good good ground as well. St Albans, that was quite a big. Yeah, actually. yeah. We went to St Albans in a couple a couple of seasons ago. Um, mm when we were still in the Isthmian and we managed to get a, I think it was one, we got, we got a one, one draw escaped with a replay and came back here and 
the goalie went, let one through his arms. <laughs> so he was like, oh no. Um, I think it was, um, Carl Rushworth, Brighton goalkeeper. Yes. Yeah, he's gone on to bigger and better things now, hasn't he? Can't yeah, remember where he is yeah, now. Right. Um, but yeah, we had him on, on loan for a while. Uh, yeah. But yes, yeah, some Albans, yeah, half decent team, beat us at our place 5 4. That was a that was a hell of a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, that was uh, quite impressive. And I think they were they were joint well, they joint top scorers with Ebbsfleet. Somebody said I don't know. Not as many. We were we were we were second highest top scorers, but we also had the fifth sixth worst defence in the league as well. Uh, so yeah, we did concede we did concede quite a few. When you see there's a five, we lost five four at home. Sort of says a lot, really, doesn't it? <laughs> it tells you all you need to know, yeah. <laughs> and even in the, we had the playoffs, I mean, the, the, the quarterfinal, which basically is referred to as an eliminator, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Braintree at home, um, obviously, as a high ranked team, the way it works is the, the team that finished high gets home advantage in a one off game. So Worthing had Braintree at Woodside Road, and uh, they went 1 0 up and they conceded a goal. Uh, you were saying about defence, yeah, it was easily to have avoided uh, that equaliser, but scored a stunning winner in that game. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a goal, yeah. own goal for the goalkeeper, wasn't it? Uh, it was yes, over the line. Yeah, Jack Sims. Um, he blamed the floodlights after in his tweet. He Did put, he? He put oh. F in floodlights because <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he he went up for it and he he wasn't there was no pressure on him whatsoever and he's put his left arm out. <laughs> so the, the ball's coming in from the from the left hand side. He's put his left arm out and he's on the six yard line. So you think he's just going to catch it, and he he put he basically flaps it into into the net behind him, and he's like, "What's just happened?" I was on commentary, and you, you know, usually I'll go mad when we score a goal, um, but it was, you know, when you can't quite believe what you've just seen. <laughs> it, it, it was one. I was like, "He's putting it in his own net. <laughs> What's he doing?" Um, um, so yeah, it's a bit I mean, strange. I think you can't not quite believe in what you've just seen. I have to say that guy's mullet as well. That goldie's mullet. Was an absolute shocker, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I think so, I think somebody put in one of the replies to the to, to his tweet of effing floodlights. Yeah. Um, someone put a trip to the barbers in the summer sun. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrendous. It was like um, a Rudy Voller type um, mullet. It was kind of yeah, or well, it was horrendous. And we we you know you you couldn't see it too clearly from where we were. We were on the far side, but um, I wasn't behind the goal or anything. I, I wasn't going to get too close to that. That um, travesty of, uh, of fashion, but <laughs> but it, yeah, it stood out. I have to say, yeah. And then the semi final, Oxford City uh, lost two 0 I mean, they were the better side on the day, as you said. We had the misfortune, oh, yeah, yeah, some players missing at key moments um, from the game, which which set us on the back foot. Obviously, by matter of goal difference, as we said, we had we had to play, had play as an away game, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, food and drinks good there, though. <laughs> um, there were some real oiks. Um, I, I, I was in the home ends because I couldn't get a ticket that sold out by the time I sorted myself out. I wandered around as I like to do, just wandered around the whole grounds. And I went yeah. around because um, you you couldn't go through. Um, oh, it's quite busy on the main stand bit where you would, I think you do it in your commentary. Yeah. Uh, and the worthy fans were over to your right in, into one corner. So I walked That's around it. the other way, went, went all the way around, came behind the goal on the other side of the Worthing fans, and there was quite a few chavlets uh, giving a load of uh, the big one. Quite mouthy, actually. And, um, quite, and quite young. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's horrendous. They were, About 12. Yeah, they were singing this, what do you think of Worthing shit? What do you think of shit Worthing? I thought <laughs> I thought only rivals do that, as in, you know, like bitter 
local rivals. I thought, what's going on yeah. here? Why are they getting so so That's argued about it? Did, um, you see, did you see the little kid even in, in the Oxford United shirt? Uh, he, he was standing. He was standing yeah. there. There's um, just two barriers segregating the fans. Yeah, and there weren't loads of Oxford fans piled in that section anyway. Behind the goal, and obviously, it was in the Worthing section because they give us such a small piece of that stand. Oh, it was really absolutely. Crowded. It was really crowded in there. So they've got these two little barriers about ten yards. They've got a steward in between, and there's this little oi in an Oxford United shirt, <laughs> and he's he's just. It's just going on like this all game, apparently. This is what I heard. It's, it, and similar worthy fans said to Stuart, can you tell him to go somewhere else in the ground? Because he's, he's winding everybody up. He's really yeah. getting on everyone's nerves. Because yeah. there was grown men offering him out to the end. <laughs> they go, come here and I'll give you a slap. <laughs> and, and the steward went, oh, no, we can't, can't do that, can't do that. And they're going, then, you know, the sensible worthy fans are going, well, what are you doing? Get rid of him. Tell him to go. Move him around the other end of the ground or something. Of course you can do that. Yeah. And then, exactly. It's not like it's assaulting him or anything. Just tell him to move. But obviously, and then after their second goal, when I looked to my right, hmm. some of those little little Oxford fans started throwing bottles into the worthy fans. Really? Water bottles and stuff. Didn't you see the exchange of? No, there's right exchange going on. So obviously the worthy, some of the worthy weeks decided to throw some back, and it's like it it all calmed down after about sixty seconds. But it was just like these little kids who had caused it all, and you're like, yeah, why didn't the stewards just deal with it? They're really mouthy, lots of swearing as well. And um, as you said, it wasn't packed with Oxford fans in that bit. That was probably a little bit quieter, actually, there. Um, But there's a few. There's even some old bloke as well was wandering up and sort of giving it. And I thought, what's going on here? So I quickly moved from there. I thought, (laughs) we're not liking this vibe. I wanted to be near the wording fans just to get the the atmosphere. But I thought, no, these kids are really irritating me. So I walked around, went around the other side and um, sort of just um, grabbed Decent drink. That's good drinks on offer, and they had a really nice um, chicken korma loaded fries. Actually, they were very nice. Um, so that was good. And I just wandered around the other side, got chatting to a, a Reading fan who'd tottered along for the game as well, and he was complimentary about Brighton season and all that. So we're having a chat about that. So this is by the the point when it was already two 0 and I was kind of. <laughs> I thought, oh, well, <laughs> I'm not going to try and break into the away end and join in the fun now. Um, and then eventually wandered back around and saw you, obviously, later on and uh, imposed myself on you at the end of your podcast post-match stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Commentary post-match, sorry. Yeah. Absolutely uh, yeah. fine. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, it was just, um, it was a weird day because we, we we didn't turn up, to be honest. We didn't play our usual, our usual self, but yeah. you have days like that. Yeah. And they were, they were on the top of their game. And this, as you, as you said at the time, this McEachran guy. Oh, he's so good. McEachran, isn't it? Yeah, he's yeah. a brilliant player. Silky, fairly small guy, number 10 type yeah. player, isn't he? And he exactly. Linking all the play up. And he was yeah, he's, yeah, he's just moved, moved, moves all over the shop, didn't he? He scored, yeah. he scored the opener as well. Constantly um, and in the final, yeah. they beat St Albans 4-0. Um, all the damage done in the first half. And he, I think he had a, um, he, he, he was, had a major part in setting up the first mm. goal. And then I think he had a diving set, a diving header, really brilliant header, really well saved. Second sequence of play, they, they give the ball back to him, which is not a good idea. Not Very a good idea. 2-0. And then, they, yeah, they, he was then instrumental in another goal as they went 4-0 up. And yeah. It I shows spoke that, to, yeah. Sorry. I spoke to um, Josh Parker, um, who also plays for Oxford City, because he used to play for Charlton mm. back in the day. 
Um, and and he, he was saying, because I said to him, how good is McEachern? And he said, he should be playing two leagues higher than where he is. He said, yeah. he said he's, he's that good. Yeah. And when a former pro is saying that to you, you, you know, you, you know, you've got a, a bit of a talent on your hands there. Yeah, so, yeah. I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to see what we're in. Bill knows. Yeah, he knows the positions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he should be playing a couple of levels higher, definitely. Yeah, but there we go. Yeah, so that's that. So that that was the uh, that was the main bit of the playoffs. What what were your sort of highlights, lowlights, quirky, amusing moments? Anything else that stood out from the season? Um, going to having some Waterlooville and stuffing them five one was I'd say was a was an absolute highlight. Yeah. Obviously obviously going into um the Farnborough game uh in the middle of April, we really needed to win that and I was a bit worried about Farnborough because they're they're a decent team, good ground, good crowds, etc. They're still pushing for playoffs, weren't they? Yeah, they? yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that was it. It was make it was sort of make or break for them that game. Yeah. And I remember listening to their manager's in interview before we, because we met him in midweek and he was saying, well, you know, we want everyone along and, you know, we, you know, because they'd lost on the weekend. And, and he was saying, look, it's going to be a tough game against Worthing because they're a good team. So get everyone along and, and all the rest of it because it's, it's probably our, our last chance to make the playoffs. And of course we beat them one nil. I dropped the F bomb live on air. Uh, the final whistle because I was that chuffed with the result because the last 20 minutes it was like the Alamo it really yeah. was we were just uh, the, you know moaning about our defence all season we conceded a load of goals and then that last 20 minutes every one of them was a bloody hero I tell you I tell yeah. you it was just like I, I was just sitting there thinking this goal's going to come they're going to score they're going to score and and they didn't um, yeah and we came out of there with the win and I think that I think that really instilled the confidence because we we only lost one of the last eight games in the in the actual league which and that's that's how you do a running if you want to get to the playoffs one defeat in eight games that's the way to do it and it's exciting when it's like that yeah (laughs) that that farmer game of course i I went there i went with my um my mate another brian fan friend of the show alan who lives just up the road from farmer so i met up with him popped around to his house met met his missus and then Alan and I went to the game and we we couldn't find you. I don't know what happened there. We just couldn't find where you were. We thought you must be in the main stand. Couldn't couldn't see it, but it didn't matter anyway. We you know enjoyed the game, couldn't enjoy the result. And actually, they've got quite a really big stand behind one of the goals, haven't they? Where the yeah. Worthing fans are in the first half. So pretty sizable, and that's a proper kind of League One size. Yeah, exactly. Stand behind a goal that. Mm. Um, so yeah, another example. Non-league clubs with a bit of room, um, but yeah, it was, um, we've got a great result, wasn't it? And anything else? What any, any final? I think what's 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 amazed me really is that you, we you know coming from the Isthmian and then into the National League South, and it's different quality of the stadiums you're going to. Like Weymouth was really good. Obviously, it used to be a league team. Um, there's there's just a, a cracking round. Like say Farnborough, another good ground. Uh, we went to Maidstone in the trophy. They've been yeah. relegated down to the south. This seat it was, was Maidstone, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I was getting mixed up with Maidenhead. Um, so they, they had a cracking ground. Um, re- beautiful stadium. Uh, Ebbsfleet, obviously. Mon- money bags, Ebbsfleet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> bought the title. No, sorry. <laughs> no, congratulations to everyone going off and Oxford City. Um, but yeah, just the, the difference in the stadiums. I think the worst place we went to, worst ground, I would say, was Concord. Yeah. Yeah. A horrible little ground, I thought. I didn't like it. Funnily enough, I ticked that one off this year. That's one I did. That was um, that's the one where you got to view the uh, estuary behind, haven't you? Behind one of the goals, and you got. A big I don't design. know. It was, it was dark when we got there. Couldn't see anything. <laughs> yeah. And I watched some. Of, I watched some of their highlights on the on the on on YouTube, and you know, it was after we'd been there, and I was like, I didn't even. Because behind the ground, there's just thousands and thousands of like um, static caravans, <laughs> thousands of them. <laughs> I didn't even know they were there when we visited because it was the depths of winter. <laughs> it's like, and I was like, didn't even know that was there. Yeah, there you go. it's a funny ground. Yeah, I tipped that off this year. It's when it's when um, I didn't have time to get over to. I think Worthing were playing Taunton, uh, and that's the game where you threw away two nil, didn't you? I think it ended two all. And Lewis were trying to get into the Ismian playoffs uh, odds against, but they were playing Concord, and I went to that match so. I thought I might as well do the next best thing and, you know, just follow another Sussex team, which I could get to in time. So yeah. I did that. And I, I, I quite like the big terrace behind the goal. It's quite nice because you can get the view. If you've got the surreal thing, if you can see the fans at the other end, you've got, got the lengthways view of the pitch. And then you've got a small terrace, typical small terrace behind the goal. Uh, and then there's a bit of void space and a bit of grassland. And then beyond that, you've got this estuary element from the Thames. You've got these massive great freight... <laughs> Ships just slowly drifting past in the background. It's really surreal. Yeah, I need yeah. to go there in daylight, don't I? Yeah, and go on the big <laughs> terrace because it's quite it's quite raked that terrace as well. Right. So you actually, I did quite like that terrace. Like, admittedly, the rest of the ground, as you said, was not great. And in fact, they had a couple of oiks as well. They had this, these two <laughs> or three oiks just giving the, the big one right next to the Lewis fans for no apparent reason. They came all the way around, just stood next to them, and then. Eventually, they buggered off and I thought, oh, thank God for that. And then they came back with about 15 other oiks. <laughs> what is going on here? Uh, they, they were thinking, yeah, just... oh, we want to go home. I thought, hang on, you are from Canvey. What's going on? That's, that's the thing. There's plenty of them on Canvey Island, isn't there? There's, yeah. there's, there's, there's plenty of those. Uh, yeah, I, I've oh. worked there in the past on some of the um, estates. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're a strange breed over there. Yeah, it's it's strange, strange. I thought that as well. Yeah, <laughs> no disrespect, enjoy, of course. <laughs> yeah. I, do, I do enjoy these, um, you know, these kind of excursions and just going to these random grounds. There's some great ones, but Weymouth's one I'm subject to what the Albion are doing. I might um, try and get along to that next season then because I've I've not been there and uh, it's quite a nice little part of the world as well, isn't it? So mm. make a weekend of it maybe as well. Yeah, that should be good. Um, yeah, so going forward with with Worthing then. Um, how do you see it going over the next season or two? Assuming Adam's still with us and no reason to think. Otherwise. Yeah, he's, well, he's got, um, a year, he's got a year left on his contract. Um, yeah. So, and obviously he's moved all his family into Worthing. Um, oh. you know, obviously he never had a TV back in the day. So he's got, a, I think, five children. I think he's got five. Um, so they're, but, all, they're all settled in school and everything. So I'm sort of quite hopeful that sort of is his lady's roots in Worthing that he'll, you know, yeah, hang around. Well, as, 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 as long as we pay him, you know, I see no reason why he would want to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Even if you know, I know he's, you know, um, he's had approaches in the past and things, and seems to have nothing has met his criteria as yet. Yeah. Um, so 
I'm pretty sure. The, obviously, fans' expectations next season will be a lot higher mm. because of finishing fourth. So, you know, and he was he was saying in a podcast which is yet to be released. So don't forget to listen to Rebel Earth podcast when it's released to hear the whole interview. Um, but he was he was saying, you know, probably going um, the signings will probably be a bit different this summer because he's probably going to look for more players who have got who have played at this level before. They've got a bit more nerves at this level and experience. So, so yeah. you know, there will be a few changes. But obviously, most of the players, obviously Joe Rye, the 18-year-old, can't see him going anywhere unless a, a club comes in for him like Brighton might. <laughs> yeah, <I don't> <laughs> but he's, he's, he's good for 18, you know, to, to, to come from the academy and cement his place. And yeah. be be as good as he is has been in in the national league this season. He's been very impressive. So, yeah, he, obviously Aaron Racine as well at the back. You know, the club captain. Yeah, yeah, you know, people like that will keep. Oli Pius will probably stay. Meekins will probably stay. Not sure about Rudari. Um, I hope he stays because he was at Crawley. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if we had him on loan from Crawley or if he, or if we signed him. But, um, permanently, but mm. if we keep, because I think he's got more to offer than he's actually showed. Yeah, you look at him at times and you think, oh, he could have done better there, could have done better, and then other times you're like, oh, brilliant, brilliant piece of skill or whatever. So I think he's got more to bring to the table if we yeah. keep hold of him. So it, it, it'll be interesting. And the one thing you haven't touched on so far is us beating Bonner in the Sussex Senior Cup final. Just coming to that, yeah. Oh, that's right. I was thinking <laughs> you forgot about it if I was wrapping no, up. No, no, no. I was saving the best till last. <laughs> Good lad. Yeah. Well, just before we do that, I was going to mention you mentioned uh, Adam Hinchelwood, his son, of course. It's, I think it's his son, isn't it? Paul Hinchelwood, who's in the Albion. Uh, he's doing well with the uh, 23s at the moment. Look, it looks a real prospect. Jack. Jack. Is it Jack? Jack I'm, mix, I'm mixing them up. Yeah, sorry, Jack. Yeah, that's it. There is a Paul as well, but that's, that's, I think that's someone else. I think it might be a nephew somewhere. Well, I don't know. Not sure. So Jack Hitchwood, yeah. So he's, he's doing pretty well. But anyway, yeah, so let's get on to the Bog. So uh, Borkner knocked out the Albion, I think it's under 21s is the category uh, for us in the tournament. Everyone else plays, technically plays a senior team. And Borkner knocked out Brighton Excuses. in the semi. Excuses. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I'm just saying. Um, no, they're not, often they're in. They're usually in the final, aren't they? Um, mm. Very often they win it, but they got knocked out in the semis by Bogner and Worthing beat. I think it was Hastings, wasn't it, in the other semi final? Yeah, I think I'm right in saying. So the final at the Amex was about a week or two ago, week and a half ago, I think it is. Um, and you won the game. Tell us about that. It was on penalties in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. An, it was. It was another one where he. You know, it didn't fully turn up. Um, yeah. You know, whether it was to come down from the Oxford a few days before, um, you know, a bit, bit of a hangover from that possibly. But um, Bogner, you know, a lot of people said, oh, they were a better team. I would say they made the better chances, but they couldn't convert them. But I've watched the whole game back again. And, um, you know, I would say... It, you know, we dominated possession, etc. But they did sort of um, have the have the better chances. But but in the end, it came down to, as you say, penalties. And our academy goalkeeper, because we changed the goalkeeper from the Sunday because he was cup tied. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, 
So we had the academy goalkeeper in. Um, yeah, and he, he, he saved the penalty that won it for us in the end. And Oli Pierce missed his first, the first penalty for us. Mm. But you see that quite often. A team will miss the first penalty and then go on to win the shootout. It's, yeah. it's, it's weird the way it works sometimes. But, yeah, the dynamics in yeah. shootouts are. Yeah. So, so William Tillman was the hero of Worthing. And yeah, yeah it was great to, and, and I, the, the thing I loved about that was obviously Aaron Racine being the club captain. Um, when we went to pick the trophy up, he lifted it with William Tillman for, you know, for being a hero. And that is, you know, for an 18 year old keeper, that is a memory that he's going to stick with him forever. Um, and, you know, and hopefully that would improve his game because he'll, he'll gain so much confidence from that. So, you know, he might be one to look at for the future. And I sort of wish he'd played Oxford. Yeah. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, there is that, and yeah, it's, it's an achievement. You win the win the cup, and um, how many were there actually at the games? You, any idea? It was two thousand nine hundred and ninety six, I think. Yeah, just a couple short of three thousand. Yeah, which was pretty good. Was... Yeah, the atmosphere was was really good. Yeah. yeah. I got my I got my corporate lunch again. <laughs> <laughs> it's before, nice in there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before the match, which which was really nice, and then I went and um, I actually commentated this year. Last year, because it was on your instant replay um, live, it was this year as well. That I'd, somebody had texted me and said, "Are you doing the commentary?" And I'll I'll listen to your commentary over the pictures. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. So so I did it. I got a bit excited in the penalty shootout when Bob the Mister. They want, they'd want to win it and he skied it. So it, it's joined Harry Kane's and the, the Baggio's and <laughs> Waddles up in space somewhere circling satellites. So I think I said, he skied it, he skied it, he skied it about three times or probably more. So yeah, but that, that was really good. And obviously once, once he did miss that to win it, then. I just felt that it, it was it was ours then. So yeah, so we've won it for the twenty second time now, or twenty third. Fantastic, that's great. Yeah, so you know, top seed is Sussex as always. Yeah. <laughs> just a couple of other quick bits. Um, I was going to say, um, you mentioned commentaries there. Obviously, you've been doing the commentaries for how, how long is it now? You've been doing them, Peter? Uh, since twenty eighteen, I think. Yeah, 2019, okay. 2019. Yeah, yeah, so quite so a while. Only commented on the commentated on um, on Adam Hinchelwood, uh, Worthing teams. Uh, therefore, marvelous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and do you when you're doing that? I mean, I've, I've listened to a number of them. Obviously, as you as you know, I put pop a few messages on the yeah. chat thing when I'm when I'm on there. But um, it's good. I, I always give you a shout out, don't I? And, yes, and, you do. And, yeah. and, pl- and plug your podcast. <laughs> yes, it's all good. It's all good stuff. Um, do you, what do you do for it? Do you do a lot of preparation and notes? Because it must be difficult at that level, especially when you've just gone into a new division, to know much about a lot of the players of the opposition. Yeah, well, to, to be honest, at the start of the season, I, I, I spent a couple of hours going through all their their team and you know who they played for, how many goals they got last season, all the rest of it. Yeah, and then um, who was it? Sam Sam Berger, our program editor. Um, he came up to me and he, he showed me the pro- He went, look in the program, Pete. He said, it's got all the details in there. So I said, oh, okay. I'll just get a program each game. So we're doing the research. But generally, I'm not wrapped up in the game. I, I can write notes uh, about, you know, top goal scorers and, you know, who's done this, who's done that. And I'm sort of so wrapped up in it that I, I don't sort of waffle on about 
other stuff. I'm just saying where the ball is on the pitch, who's got the ball, what they're doing, and blah blah blah. So, so I don't really get time to you know do that. And if there's breaks in play, I'll look at the chat and see what people are saying in the chat about the game or or, or whatever, and I'll, I'll, I'll comment on that. So I don't really go in depth on sort yeah. of on sort of the players. If if there's stats in my head there and then. Then I say, oh, that's Oli Pierce's, you know, twentieth goal of the season, blah blah blah. But yeah, generally, you know, I, I just get the team sheet, look through it, have a look at their players on the pitch, try and remember what they look like. <laughs> you know, you know, it's it's great if they've got like if someone's got like dreads or a afro or the, the goalkeeper's got a really bad mullet, um, <laughs> you sort of you, their name sort of sticks in your head, so it's quite easy to commentate on the opposition players. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I, I, I enjoy it. I love it. Um, we broke our record for listeners this season. I think we had, uh, 280 odd of, of what, uh, the Braintree. I think oh. it was the Braintree game or the yeah. Oxford game. Um, which is pretty good considering how many people, if it's Braintree, considering how many people are out of the game. <laughs> yeah. You're more tuning in. It's yeah. 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 It's, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's really good. I enjoy, I enjoy doing it. But, but, you know, we meant, you mentioned South Shields earlier. They had um, in the game for them to win the title. They had over three thousand listeners, and I'm like three thousand. I know, I know, and I'm like, uh, I was saying to Chris on our podcast, how would you get that many listeners? How uh, would you do? How would you do that? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So we're small fry compared to to South Shields. <laughs> yeah, grief. That's amazing, isn't it? Well, you never know. I mean, we could end up playing them. Uh, Couple of seasons down the line, maybe in the uh, in the national prem. Who knows? Who knows? That's a, that's a journey, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That would be a journey. That, that's a tr- that's a trek and a half. But, but that's yeah. the thing, of course. You're traversing um, all, all of the, um, the the wonderful areas of um, north and west and east of Worthing in the southern area, and of course that's the regional thing. Mm. Uh, that would be the downside of going up, wouldn't it? Longer journeys. Yeah. Yeah. Gates set away on a Tuesday night. Yeah. <laughs> that that would be that would be great. That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? No, not. <laughs> and the geography, it's a, a bit weird, isn't it? Because we had a lot of southern teams have gone down. So Yeovil Town and Torquay United, who until mm. fairly recently were league sides, um have, have really not got their act together, haven't been able to turn things around and event, eventually now gone down again. So they dropped down to 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 this level, level two of non-league. And as you mentioned earlier, Maidstone have dropped as well. They were rock bottom uh, all season. Um, so that's three teams dropping into the southern area and presumably they've been allocated southern status within the yeah. two regions. But that just means somebody who was, I mean, that Bam- Banbury United, which to my mind is in no way a northern football team, were in the national north last year. Mm. And that they're certainly not going to come south now that uh, this disproportionate spread of relegated side. No. Uh, yeah, and obviously um, Bishop Storford won the Isthmian Premier League. Yeah. And, and they've been put in the north. Yeah, which is mental. I mean, that's, that's a 20-minute drive, 30-minute drive from where I am in London, North London. That's it. And they've got Braintree just down the road, haven't they? Yeah. 200, 250 yards from them or something, something ridiculous. They're really close together, them two grounds, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Bishop Stufford aren't happy and they're appealing. But they've been put in the north before. Yeah. So I suppose there's not much you can do, is there? If you If you come down a certain amount and if you're next in line... It's unlucky. It's a, yeah. it's, a, it's the downside of having a regionalised divisions. Um, but you know, you have to do something somewhere there, don't you? But, That's it. But we we've got to go west this season to Plymouth Parkway to play Truro. Yeah. So and that's a hell of a journey. And I think 
I think I, I saw because there's been a lot going on about it on Facebook in the in the group on the um, Southern Southern League and the Northern League, mm. um, and and people were saying, well, you know, if if you get Bishop Storford to Truro, is is further than going from Bishop Storford up to um, our Blythe Spartans or whatever it is. Um, yeah, so, so so you know, it sort of swings around about it in a way. I can understand why they're upset, but. But they, but Bishop Storford blocked me on Twitter for having an opinion. Um, so I'm not losing any sleep over it. Yeah. <laughs> how, how to lose friends and, uh, and not influence people. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Just come to the Peter Vale school of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of diplomacy. Yeah. yeah. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> no, what it was, their social media guy, um, he put something on social media during COVID yeah. about, um, cause obviously we wanted, football to go ahead uh hmm. you know the let's fans in campaign that, that was going uh um he, he put that you don't want to be coming to the ground and climbing over dead bodies in the stand and i and i put what a stupid comment you yeah. know get a grid blah 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 and they and they blocked me so oh, okay so but well, I, I thought i thought you know having an opinion was allowed in this day and age but obviously not <laughs> Oh, that's mad, isn't it? But yeah, the regional stuff is, is crazy, isn't it? Because you've got you've got Taunton Towner in there again, as you said, Truro City. You've got Yeovil Town, Torquay yeah. United. Those are all very far west over, aren't Taunton, they? Taunton, Western Supermare, Western Supermare as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, um, and that's with and that's without having Oxford City in there anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not exactly. that far over. I know Oxford, but, but still, you know. Yeah, um, so we get, we're going to be travelling west more than anything, which is yeah. Yeah, yeah, which makes a change because usually, you know, in the East View, he's always travelling up the up to London and surrounding areas. Yeah, um, apart, yeah, apart from Brighton, yeah, yeah, apart from Brighton Sea, obviously. Um, but that that was a trek as well. So, yeah. But the thing is, it, it comes it comes with territory, doesn't it? If you want to be successful as a football team and go up the leagues, you've got to be expected to travel. Well, yeah, exactly. It's simple, isn't it? Fair enough, isn't it? You're going out. You're going out of regional into more into national leagues, so you've got to expect to have a bit have a bit more travel. Yeah, yeah. some some clubs will still be wiping the tears away come August. <laughs> one one final thing, Peter, before I let you go, is um, also to um, ask you about. I think Ollie Pierce you mentioned earlier. I think has also passed a hundred goals for Worthing. Am I right? Do I hear that? He still? has. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, over 100 goals there for Worthy. It's terrific. He had, what, 40-something, didn't he, in the promotion season? Yeah. Last season. Um, yeah. Last year, yeah. And he's, uh, I think he, he's, um, I think he's over 30 this season with cup games and everything. Obviously, we didn't have any major cup runs apart from the Sussex Senior Cup. Um, but he's, he's done all right, really, hasn't he? Because he yeah. signing from Bogner for £10,000. Exactly, bargain. Yeah, that was an expensive signing, wasn't it, for non-league for Ismail? Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he's done very well. I think he's a he's a key part of it. I hope um, I've yeah. seen him score a few this this year, and hopefully um, he'll be back along with all the other key ingredients and some new ones. We look forward to it. We'll get you back on, obviously, when the uh, new season's up and running, Peter. Um, just a quick shout out for your various things. So you've got there's the Rebel Yell podcast, and there's the the Premier, uh, hang on, you better tell me, what's the other one called? <laughs> the Premier Non-League Podcast, where we've got Chris Mayer, South Shields, uh, Trevor Nell, who's a Barnet fan. Uh, we've got Grant, who uh, I, he's, he's, he's just a floater. He just goes around and watch various non-league games. Uh, 
James Easton, obviously um, Mr. B.A., <laughs> um, who is a Charlton fan. He mentions Charlton every Premier Non-League podcast in my own. He always gets it in. I don't know how. I don't know how. <laughs> Yeah. And he's of course Excuse a Worthing fan. And has done yeah, he's, he's yeah, he's a Worthing fan, and he's done yeah. co with me. Um, yeah, and, and myself, obviously. Um, so yeah, Premier League podcast where we discuss uh, all the sort of big stories in the non-league game in general, and then the Rebel Yell podcast is just Worthing centric, where we have interviews with Adam, the players, uh, John Donahue, who's the women's manager, and generally a, a player for the women's team as well. Um, which gives me a good excuse to shout out that Worthing women have got two games left to get promotion to level four of the women's game. Wow. Which, which, yeah, and that would be two promotions in three seasons, I think. Yeah. Um, so, and I will be commentating from Millwall Lionesses on Sunday afternoon at one, one thirty kickoff. So I'll be, I'll be commentating on, on that one from there and also. Wednesday we played, they've got acorns at home in their last game, which hopefully will be end up as a promotion party. Oh, with, well, that's fantastic. With, with the women. Oh, really good. Really good to hear, because I, I think they, they won the game 11-1, didn't they, the other day? Yeah, the other week, yeah. 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 So, so, you know, they're storming it along, but they've got to get over the line, obviously. So best of luck to them, and of course to the Worthing men's team for next season, and all the other teams as well, affiliated with Worthing at youth levels and so on. Um, so, Peter, thank you very much for joining me. It's been a pleasure, as always, and I shall see you, no doubt, next season. In the meantime, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's uh, we just look forward to uh, a summer of relaxation, and you can rest your voice for a while. <laughs> Yeah, I will be resting it after after Wednesday night. Yeah, so yeah. we've been a bit longer in twenty minutes, haven't we, Russ? We have. Yeah, we said we do. <laughs> see, give, give it out, see how it naturally flows. It seems to have gone on a while, but <laughs> it's all good. It's all good fun. Well, we had a lot to catch up with, didn't we? To be fair, so. yeah, very true, very true. So, yeah. so really good to have you back on, Peter, and we will we'll see you soon. Cheers. Thanks, for, thanks for having me, mate. No worries at all. All the best. So thanks again there to Peter Vale for joining us on the podcast for the main section, the Sussex non-league special latest episode. Um, but just move, returning back to the EFL, because we recorded the first section on Friday, we are now speaking on Saturday and we've had some more games and some more results. So very quickly to sum up what's happened since Barnsley came through 1-0 at home to Bolton. So it is going to be Barnsley who take on Sheffield Wednesday in that League One playoff final. Uh, then today, Saturday, we had two more playoff final, uh, playoff semi-finals, second legs that took place. They finished Stockport County 2, Salford City 1, making it 2 all on aggregate, and then after extra time, um, Stockport then won 3-1 on penalties. And Stockport will play Carlisle United. Um, the sides, um, well, Bradford won 1-0 in the first leg. In this second leg, it finished Carlisle United 3, Bradford City one. So Carlisle threw 3-2 on aggregate. That was after extra time as well. So that is then Sheffield Wednesday against Barnsley in the League One playoff final, Stockport against Carlisle in the League Two playoff final. And of course, we already know it's Luton against Coventry in the Championship playoff final. All of that's to come later on, and we will talk about that in due course. But what's also happened, of course, is on Saturday, Premier League football took place six games ahead of Albion's match tomorrow. Um, and crucially, the early kickoff 
got things underway in a very, very happy way. It finished Tottenham 1, Brentford 3. This is after Peter and I's favourite Spurs player, Harry Kane, put them into an early lead. Brentford, minus Ivan Tony, of course, banned for eight months uh, from now on uh, due to betting. Um, issues, uh, and Buemo came back with two goals, 50 and 62 minutes before then setting up Wissa in the in the 88th minute. So thank you very much from Buemo. We really appreciated your man of the match performance. Um, also then with the with the later kickoffs, um, results were Bournemouth one, uh, sorry, Bournemouth nil, Manchester United one, Fulham two, Crystal Palace two, Wolves one, Everton one, and maybe a valuable point for Everton in their relegation hopes. Who knows? Um, what was most outstanding was Nottingham Forest one, Arsenal nil in the late kickoff. Um, that was um, well, it, it, Forest have survived basically off the back of that result. Again, their home form proving to be a key difference for them in survival this season, despite all the upheaval, the changes in personnel, etc. And what that also did was to confirm Man City as title winners for the fifth time in six years the third time in a row um, with that uh, with that victory, without even uh, uh, that defeat, sorry, for Arsenal, without City even playing. And Phil Foden now has five Premier League winners' medals, in, and he's only 23, I think it is. Incredible, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. But that Spurs game that I mentioned was brilliant because what that meant was that if we beat Southampton in the game Sunday, 2 o'clock kickoff, we will now be guaranteed, if we win that game, European football, definitely the European Conference, Europa Conference. Europa League's what we want, fifth or sixth place. Well, I don't think we're going to get fifth, but sixth place we could do. Can we do it? Well, the other game that I've neglected to mention so far was the one I most enjoyed because Aston Villa were away at Liverpool. We wanted basically anything other than a Villa win. What goes and happens? Uh, Ramsey gives them the goal on 27 minutes. Liverpool then had a goal what looked like pretty harshly ruled out for offside. I I think that's very contentious and it could have cost us. But then Bobby Firmino in his final home game and possibly penultimate game ever for Liverpool, he's going to finish his contract uh, at the end of the season. He came on as a substitute and he only went and scored the equaliser in the 89th minute. That meant that Villa now... Again, if South, if we beat Southampton, would not be able to catch us, barring a crazy goal difference swing. So we're all set up now. We go into the game against Southampton. We've got a fairly poor record against them, really. A lot of draws between the sides when Southampton haven't been good in recent years as well. Uh, at home, we haven't beaten them, I think, since 2012. But this is a team already relegated. They're going to be down on the heels. Uh, some players will be out of contract and may not be fussed. Others might be playing for a new contract. We'll see. Um, word is they're going to play quite a useful side to give some of their younger players a run out. Whether that's good or bad news, we'll have to wait and find out. But if we can just beat an already relegated Southampton at home, then with two games to spare for us, we could already have qualified not only for Europe, but for a Europa League place, barring, as I said, a crazy goal different swing. Wouldn't that be fantastic? And so on to the match against Saints. Fingers crossed for a wonderful day and a wonderful result. Next time we speak, uh, we'll be talking about whatever has transpired. So until then, thank you again to Peter for joining me. Uh, and thank you to listening as always. And we'll be back with the next one. Until then, stand or fall up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.